Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all, to, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord is God. It is he that made us, and we are his. We are all his people, to the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever in his faithfulness to all generations. Matthew verses 18. Matthew 18, verses 1 through 5. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a child whom he put among and said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever becomes humble like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Whoever welcomes one such child in, the, in my name welcomes me. The word of the Lord. Wait. Okay, that's really scary. Let's pray. Here we are, O God, having sung your praises, admitted our fallenness, celebrated new life together. We've heard your words read from Scripture. Be at work among us by the power of your Holy Spirit to open our ears, our minds, our very hearts that we might receive him who is your living word, even Jesus Christ. And, O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, it's Children's Sunday. Right? You probably noticed that. Uh, as I was thinking about that this week, I was reminded of the words that Garrison Keeler used to speak every Saturday evening. Any of you familiar with Prairie Home Companion? Whenever Keeler talked about uh, his fictional hometown of Lake Wobegon, Minnesota, he said it was a place where all the women are strong. The men are good-looking, and the children are all above average. I don't know about the first part of that, but uh, on this Sunday every year, we are reminded that Mount Pleasant could give Lake Wobegon a run for its money in regards to its children. We have a great group, and it's wonderful on Children's Sunday to have them lead us in worship. But think about that for a minute. And ask the question, 
Why exactly do we do this? You have to admit it's kind of unusual, this Children's Sunday thing, when you stop and think about it. I wonder if any of you could name me one other major institution or public organization in our lives that lets children take over once a year or ever as far as that's concerned. I mean, just think about it. If you were to go to the bank and see an eight or 10 year old behind the counter or in one of those little offices to help you transact your business, I don't know about you, but I think I'd go home and try another day. Or if you were to go to the doctor's office or the hospital and see a child at the nurse's station or in the doctor's office, I don't know about you, I'd reschedule my appointment. Just saying. Or if I were to ever see a 12-year-old behind the wheel of a police car, I'd go home and spend the day there. But here at church, it's different. Why do we do this exactly? I should make clear, I have been told that it is not a message to us preachers, by the way, not to get too sure of ourselves. So I take it on faith that it's not about that. But we do it as a reminder that this place, the church, is not like any other public institution. It's a reminder of something Jesus said that we might not have taken quite that seriously, but was so important, so serious that it is given to us by all three of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all remember it, Mark and Luke Pretty much identically, Matthew in a slightly different setting, but pretty much the same otherwise. They remember this saying of Jesus. Unless you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And in all three of the Gospels, it comes after Jesus has spoken about, has foretold, his death on the cross, that as Messiah, this is what his work will look like. After that, the question among the disciples comes up, what does it mean to be great? In Matthew, it's asked in general terms. In Mark and Luke, it's asked specifically, who is greatest among us? in our little community. They've been walking along the road in those that telling of it. And as they settle down for the evening after they get wherever they're going, Capernaum or someplace like that, Jesus asks them what they have been talking about so fervently on the road. And there is this silence. Matthew says they asked, 
What does it mean to be great? It's only human nature, after all, to be interested in what constitutes greatness. To put it in ways that, terms that we might use today, what does excellence look like? What does, what constitutes success? How will we know if we have achieved our goals? It's a question we still ask today. Think about it. Go back to when you were a child. How many times were you told, do the best you can? Or, you can do better than that. How else can we measure our efforts, our accomplishments, ourselves, if we don't know what the standard is, if we don't know what success looks like? Do we need to try harder? Or is this good enough? That's what the disciples are asking, after all. The question of what constitutes greatness is just another way of asking, what is it, Jesus, that you're looking for? And I suspect, when we think about it, most of us, most of the time, want to know the same thing. What is it Jesus wants us to do? Is there something we should be studying? How should we behave? How should we live? What do we give up, if anything, in order to live the kind of life Jesus wants us to live? In other words, how can we be excellent? What constitutes greatness according to Jesus' way of looking at things? Because after all, if we just knew that, we could do it and not worry about it anymore. We could know that we were doing the right thing and feel secure in that. And there's the trap. That way of thinking is so subtle, so seductive, that the notion that somehow if we do what we're supposed to, we'll be okay, we'll be rewarded. We even tend to think about church this way. Certainly in a time of transition, what makes us as a congregation great? What has made us successful so that we can continue it? How do we continue to grow as we have in the past or maintain? What does that look like? Isn't that what we want? Doesn't that mean, if we determine what that means and get there, that we are doing what we're supposed to? We need those external measures. It's natural. Like the disciples, we ask the question, what does it mean to be great? How do we accomplish that? And so Jesus doesn't dismiss the question. He doesn't slap the disciples' wrist figuratively, figuratively or literally. He tells us what greatness is as far as he's concerned. If you want to be great, he says, make yourself least. If you want to be a leader, 
serve others, even those you think of as being most beneath you. And to make his point, Jesus pulls to his side a child who'd probably been standing there invisible most of that time. In that day and time, a child would have, after all, been essentially invisible, unnoticed, of no value or importance to anyone except perhaps his or her own parents and maybe even to them. And Jesus embraces this child just as later on he will embrace a cross to show what true greatness and the highest form of humanity is. And he says, whoever welcomes one of these little ones, meaning not just children, but anyone who has no claim upon you, nothing to give you, nothing to offer, whoever welcomes anyone like that, in that same moment, welcomes me and welcomes as well the one who sent me. And so we are reminded, and we do this, this Children's Sunday, to remind ourselves that we are, the church is called to be a different sort of community, a community that it does not think of itself, does not aspire to be great by human standards. Instead, I think we are to get busy about being a community in which people are welcomed and invited in, not because of who they are, although certainly we will come to know who they are, not because of the talents, the gifts they bring, though certainly God gives each of us gifts and talents to be put to use in God's work, not even because of who we are, because sometimes we may not feel very welcoming, may not remember what the point of it all is, not because of any of that. Instead, we do it because we follow a Lord who puts his arms around those who have no claim upon him at all, little ones, children, and those who are least. A Lord who not only puts his arms around them, but who will spread his arms wide on the terrible arms of the cross and die for them and for us. Even for those who have no claim upon him at all, who cannot claim to deserve that love, let alone that sacrifice. Even those like you and like me. And because we follow him, we can do no less. That's why we do this today and every Sunday. To become as children in the sight of God. That's the good news for today and for always. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.